Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Words mean things. And the words of that hymn are precious to me because immediately when the tune is played out on the organ or the piano or whatnot, immediately when that first breath is taken and and we say the name Jesus, it, it takes me back to 1989, 1990. That hymn was the favorite of my vicarage supervisor. And it seemed no matter what Sunday that we were in, if he needed to default to a hymn and words and something marvelous, he defaulted to Jesus has come and brings pleasure eternal. Those words, they, they transform me, transport me back, back to a, a different place and a different time where I had more hair that was darker and a few less LBs and a whole lot less perspective. That age and that time as an intern, as a vicar, the whole world kind of revolves around you, what you like, what you don't like, how smart you are, and it's that work of that internship to round some of those sharp, selfish perspectives and wring them out of the young pastoral intern. Words mean things. Words make a difference. Words stick in our hearts. Immediately when a scripture is read or a hymn or a, a, a little piece from your history, those words that are deep within our souls find their way out. They're meaningful because they're embedded in who we are. They're a part of our character, our nature. And they never go away. One of the first visitations I made at my first call at Faith Lutheran Church and Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin, was out to the Rutledge home. And the Rutledge home was a a beautiful mansion that had been transformed into a a care center, a memory care center. And it was my responsibility to go visit Mr. Elbert, who was in his 80s. Mr. Elbert, he couldn't remember much, and he was bedridden. There wasn't much there for conversation. And so at his bedside, I set up my little communion kit with the bread and the wine like you did a couple weeks ago. Began to speak a little bit, and as a young pastor is willing to do, to overtalk and overstate and all of those things. But as I began the devotion with the, the Eucharistic devotion, as I began that with the invocation, Mr. Albert's eyes kind of lit up and he became more attentive. And when the words from the 1941 Lutheran hymnal, I started with, Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, Mr. Elber picked up right along with me. When I came to the point of saying the Lord's Prayer before we shared Holy Communion, he prayed as if he were a dynamic young man. The words immediately on his lips from his soul Eye to eye, heart to heart. His memory for that was clear and his mind was sharp. His blue steely eyes met mine. And we prayed together. You see, it's a matter of how we feed our soul. And what we put into our mind and our soul. The words that we put in. When we need them the most, they're there for us 
embedded, knitted in, a part of the fabric of our hearts. Words mean things. Words stick. And those words that sit in our soul are a part of who we are. They help us maintain perspective when life is chaotic. When everybody's freaking out with words that bombard us through the radio, through the computer, through social media, through television broadcasts, we have the ship of our souls sitting deeply in the water of faith. And it's that word of God that brings a sense of perspective for living our lives, holding on through a pandemic and election cycle, through orange skies, through fires, through rolling blackouts, through ever-changing expectations. There are times like Mr. Elbert that I go back into the rich reserve of God's word and find a measure of perspective that allows me a sense of peace and calm so that I can be decisive and connected to Jesus and his will for me and my life, for the life of my family, for the life of our church. St. Paul, not St. John, St. Paul reminds us that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is the word of Christ. And that message brings perspective. It's, it's, it's that message that is the platform upon which we live our lives. And in our text today, St. St. John is going to lead us to some words that give us perspective on who we are and what we're all about. Words that for many of us sit and sink in our hearts. When those first words roll out, for Mr. Albert, it was the hymnal of 1941. And his comment is, oh, almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner. And if you've been a Lutheran for a long time, you grew up with that. And when I start saying that, you know exactly where I'm going. For those of us who are a generation or two from that hymnal, we may remember in 1982 where the blue hymnal came out. And the words of 1 John 1 became embedded in our hearts. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Those words give perspective. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. An old author, St. John's, reminds a young church of Jesus' perspective of life. John had lived out the ebbs and flows of ministry and life. He had seen his friends rise up to follow Jesus, follow him, be dispersed into the world. And more than likely, at the time of this writing, he was the only one of those original 12 that were left. He writes almost as a wise old sage to young intern students. Be honest, he says, be honest about your heart and your life, about where you've been and what you've done and who you are, about your nature. Be honest, admit your sins, confess them, and don't be afraid of them. Because if you hide your sins and you live in the darkness, those sins will eat you up. They will erode your faith. They'll lead you into a dark place. Image means nothing. Outward perceptions are shallow. John calls us to words that are deeper, to thoughts that are about faith and life and soul and eternity. 
He calls us to deal with the brutal facts in our lives. That in and of ourselves, we can't manufacture enough goodwill to maintain equilibrium or peace with God. So perspective one, speak the truth. If we say we have no sin, we lie. If we look inside and we see our own impurity and confess that impurity, then we have a perspective of humility and a perspective of our profound need for God. Yeah, first perspective leads us to the second one. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John brought the goods here. John is bringing the, the answer to the first perspective. If the first, and if the first perspective is sin, then the answer to sin is found in Jesus. He, John, had heard the critical message. He had watched the church expand and grow from a little movement in Jerusalem into the whole Mediterranean, from Alexandria in Egypt to Rome in Italy, and now even the church having to deal with some powerful heresy about Jesus himself. So John is saying, make sure that you understand and you hold in your soul the words of life, that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God himself in Christ is faithful and just. John ran away from the cross so many years ago with Peter and the other disciples. And here in 1 John chapter 1, he runs to the cross, having seen with his own eyes that the tomb was empty. Perhaps embedded in John's soul were those words, why do you seek the living among the dead? Over and over again, John playing that memory. Jesus not here. Jesus alive. Jesus faithful. Jesus just. Jesus forgiving our sins and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. We need Jesus, and we confess that. So Jesus delivers what we need the most. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. He himself in his death brought peace with God for you and me and all of humanity. The punishment for our sins was on John's friend, Jesus. And in Jesus' death, all of our sin is removed, and we stand before God guiltless and free from sin. Alive in Christ. He is faithful to hear us. To respond to us. And in His justice to draw us close. As members of His family. As His dear children. We have the perspective of the gospel in our lives. For ourselves. And the good news of Jesus Christ. We hold on to those words. And that promise through faith. From our baptism into Christ. Until the day we see our Lord face to face. And that leads us to one more piece of reality, one more perspective from our text. There is a perspective that sustains us here and now. And man, people watching from California, if, if, if we don't need a sense of stability and a sense of hope and something to be rooted to that's greater than just the news cycle after this week, then we probably deceive ourselves. 
There is a perspective that sustains us here and now. Since God forgives sins, we are not afraid of other words. We are not afraid of other accusations. We are not driven by guilt or shame. There is a supreme confidence that our citizenship is with Christ in eternity. And so we are not dissuaded. We are not afraid. Rather, we are encouraged and we are brave and we are strong, living in the light of the love of Jesus Christ who said, while I am in this world, I am the light of the world. No amount of orange sun, no amount of fires, no amount of smoke, no amount of regulations, no amount of politics, no amount of traffic, no amount of fear changes what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We live in the light of Jesus and not the smoky darkness of the world. We as Christians operate with honesty and truth, not afraid and fearful like those who see life through a political lens, those who are afraid that if a candidate wins or loses, everything changes and we'll never make it. For Christians, we find hope in the reality that Jesus is king, that he sits on the throne, and that he loves us more than we love ourselves. He loves us more than he loves himself and his life. Words, the words, the word that John leads us calls us to lives of peace and calm for purity and for loving other people. We have a perspective of living in the light of Jesus. And darkness gives way to light. Where there is the light of Jesus, darkness cannot exist. And it's this perspective that John gives us of life, light, and love that drives an otherworldly sense of courage, hope, peace. Words. Words. I've got about 500 of them written on my manuscript this morning, and I'm through about 480 of them. You can count them if you like. Words mean things. Hopefully in the weeks ahead as you meet in your life groups, you will learn some new words to guide your life that, that are embedded in your soul and that bring you closer to God. And that the relationships that you form or you find in your life groups will be those that encourage you or that you are able from which to encourage those who are in your groups. Things at St. John's are gaining steam. If you read my email earlier this week, you know that we will be gathering face-to-face -face next weekend in our worship venues here in the sanctuary, and I'm headed over to the auditorium at 10.30 next week. People will be in here. It won't just be me and our fine, fine musicians. Things are gaining steam. Pastors have been arranging baptisms and funerals and weddings, and we've used teaching platforms, but funerals. Two weeks ago, we had six people from our congregation pass away. So pastors have been arranging baptisms, funerals. Funerals are tough. Socially distanced funerals are really, really hard. 
but our cemetery over the last two weeks has been ministry central. Choir members have sung, tears have been wiped away, comfort has been given, perspective have gained with lots and lots of words. Words that are spoken and words that are unspoken. This last week, I participated in a funeral for Bob McEnan. And having met with his wife, Carol, and spending some time together, we had a fairly large group of people out at our cemetery. And it's always refreshing for me as a pastor after I say my words, which are typically written down and, and ready to go, so that in emotional, uh, when emotions come and things go through my heart, and I think about that person, that I'm able to come back down and say, okay, here are the words that I want to say. Gathered together in the cemetery this Thursday, after I did my devotion, I looked out at the crowd, about a third of which probably was not able to follow with what I had asked them to do, but clearly a vast majority was able to follow me. And I invited the congregation gathered in the cemetery with the words, please join me as we confess the Christian faith using the word, words of the Apostles' Creed. And the whole cemetery rattled with the words, I believe in God the Father Almighty, Maker, of heaven and earth. No bulletin, no catechism, no hymnal, no crib notes, no three by five cards, simply words embedded in the hearts of God's people, confessing and saying yes to who they were in Jesus Christ, that they had been created in the image of God, that they belonged to God through his redemption in Jesus Christ, and that the Spirit of God was breathing out encouragement on that time and in that place of grief and mourning. Those words embedded in our souls, confessed again and again and again, bring value and strength to our lives and a hook upon which to hang our reality. As I turn to bless the body and do the last pieces of my responsibility, I said, Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. At which in your homes immediately you take a breath and you smile and you say, Our Those words embedded in your heart. Those words a function of the character of who you are and what you're all about. Perspective, sin and grace. Perspective, grace and purity. Perspective, light conquering darkness. Fear being defeated by courage that comes in Christ. And words that drive for us this morning and beyond a sense of eternity and peace. In the name of Jesus, the word made flesh. Amen.